So God told me to ask you a question. Is your trial an obstacle or an opportunity? Is it an obstacle or an opportunity? Amen. So I I don't see anybody shrinking. So it's, you know, nobody's, oh boy, here we go again. You know, that kind of thing. I remember when I would hear certain teachers, I said, oh no, not again, God, please, not me. Let me hide (laughs) forever. But, uh, I, of course, I believe it's an opportunity. I didn't always. I had to convert or allow God to convert my way of thinking about things so that I could understand his kingdom better. And so uh, in, in it is important for us to understand that trials come to be overcome. They don't come to defeat us. God would not put you in a situation where his word would not come to pass for you. And he says, this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So then if you look at your trial as an opportunity to overcome, it becomes an opportunity for you to use your faith. Amen. I know most of us like to keep our faith in our pocket until one fine day when we just have to pull it out and use it. But it's good to use your faith every day. It's good to, because as you use your faith, you build spiritual muscle that when something, what we consider big comes along, you've got some power in reserve where it's not overwhelming to you. Uh, for instance, I'll give you an example. If you, if you will use your faith to rebuke symptoms when they seem you know, like sometimes you can have uh, things that come as bad news that are like mountains. They're way up here. But if you got something that's on this level, use your faith on that. Some eyeball to eyeball so you don't feel overwhelmed from the beginning. So, for instance, if you have a headache, you know, rebuke the pain. And just allow God to heal you. Let his healing power flow through you. Learn how to exercise your faith on everyday things. I'll put it that way. Uh, you know, don't just step off in the natural because you can. You understand what I'm saying? Put it before God. Because I guarantee you, if, I don't care whatever it is that you're going after, Uh, With God, it's always going to be exceeding and abundantly above all you can ask or think. It's going to exceed what you can do on your own. God is not going to let you outdo him. Come on now. I mean, come on. If if we think, you know, people say little silly things like, well, you know, God don't care about little small things. Why don't you ask him sometimes? Why don't you ask him what he cares about? The Bible says he perfects everything that concerns. He cares about everything that concerns us. And you don't get no trophy because you did it on your own. Huh? Like you in competition with God or something. He's your friend. The Holy Spirit is your helper. And Lord, we need help, I'm telling you. Huh? Some of us, if we had known what was coming, we wouldn't have signed on the dotted line. Wouldn't have said I do. And you did. Thank you, Brother Porter. I appreciate that. An honest man. <laughs> no. But you know what I'm saying. He's saying amen in general. 
<laughs> he has a lovely wife and a lovely family, and I'm sure he's glad God blessed him with them. But there are times when we will make mistakes because we don't seek the Lord. And so I think if you seek him early, he will lay out a plan for the things that, that you desire to have come into your life. Uh, some things you may have to struggle over because the devil don't want to let you see you have nothing. Just because there's a struggle, it doesn't mean it's God on the other end of it trying to pull it away from you. God's a giver, not a taker. Amen. The thief is the devil. And, and we have authority over all of his works. So God wants you to know that you have a weak side and a strong side. God's goal is to expose our strength. So in a trial, God's goal is to expose our strength and overcome our weaknesses. Now, the process, in order for this goal to be realized, weakness must also be exposed to us. But exposing weakness is not the goal. Yeah, so think about it and let it sink in because many times, because weakness gets exposed, we think that's what God wants to do. Like that's all there is to the situation is letting you know you have no power to accomplish this on your own. That's just a truth within the situation. The goal is to show you your strength that was always there, but the weakness blocked it and hindered it. So God has to show you the weakness so you know what the problem is. Because, see, we get into trouble. We, everybody, uh, uh, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> you know, we don't know what caused it, who caused it, who's against us, who's for us. Huh? Joshua, when, when he was, was, uh, <laughs> rambling around Jericho trying to find, find God's help, he stumbled upon a man with a sword. And he was so scared of everything. He said, you for us or against us? He said, I'm in charge. Don't you wreck? I'm the captain. See, you can get so scared. You don't even know who's in charge, who's not in charge. You don't know if it's the devil, if it's your cousin, if somebody uh putting them hexes on you and vexes on you. You understand what I'm saying? And so God has to come in and sort things out and expose to us our weakness. What is it? That if God doesn't deal with it, will cause you not to accomplish what it is that he wants you to set out to do. And that's got to be dealt with. But that's not God's goal to expose you. It's not the goal of people that God may send to help you. They're not to, they're not there to expose you and make you feel bad. Now, how you feel is up to you. I'm going to say it again. You know, I'm sick of people talking about this church hurt and all this kind of Most people don't stay in church long enough to get hurt. Not real good. Huh? <laughs> running here and then running there, bad mouthing the saints. And, you know, I went over there and then people don't treat you right. No, I'm not going to let you get up and lay hands and prophesy on everybody. 
not in my meeting. And now if you want to do that, you go get your own meeting. Huh? But we're going to have some order in here. I don't know what you carry. I don't know what you're bringing. And you ain't on my program this morning. Huh? You know, we go through this every conference. Always somebody want to jump up and do something. And I think to myself, how arrogant. There's a meeting here. You're a guest. And now you're going to turn around and minister to everybody and prophesy. Who told you you're that important in the kingdom? You just waltz in here unannounced ain't on no program i don't know barely know you if i was impressed you'd be up here i shouldn't say that well anyway let me let me cling to my bible and read something huh but but many times people get hurt because they're being taught and corrected now, you know, y'all correct me if I'm wrong, but nobody really likes correction. But if you have a heart of love and you're pursuing God, you can receive it. If you don't have that heart, you can't receive. You understand? You can't receive anything from God. But God exposes our weakness so that he can fix it. You can't fix what you don't know is there. You have to, it has to be exposed and and you have to be made aware of it so that you, it's the same thing when you go to the doctor, they tell you, you've got this disease. Well, you're upset and you're hurt, but you don't blame the doctor for, for the fact that you have it, huh? Well, you can't blame the preacher for the fact that they can point things out that God can help you with and correct. See, owning your weakness is not the end of the story. It just identifies it so you're not dealing blindly in life. You know what you got to deal with. It's best to know. I don't care what anybody tells you, honey. It's best to know. You can say to yourself, well, dang, there that is again. I've always had that bug in me. And here it is popping up in the situation. I thought I was done with that. Anybody been there? I've been there many times. And so when God exposes weakness... It is so that we can overcome that weakness. You can look at it and you say, you know what? I'm not going to let this thing keep tripping me up every time. And it'll come in and disguise itself and come in another form. Sometimes the things that have plagued us from since we were small children will come back to haunt us in another form. And God will say to you, now that's that same thing. I said, really? Now, how did it get twisted up to look like that? You understand what I'm saying? And so we have to understand. We have to know. It's good to have understanding. It's good to have knowledge. But know this, that once it's exposed, it's so that you can overcome it. You can know what you're dealing with. It's just like something. If you put somebody in your back seat and they talk to you all the time, they say, girl, go here, go there, go there, go there. You think they got power. Until you pull them up in the front seat and you see it's your three-year-old kid trying to tell you how to drive the car. That's just the way the devil is. Until you pull him up to where you can see him and expose him and know what you're dealing with. Because our problem ain't people. It's not flesh and blood. Huh? You know, the devil has challenged us with order in our meetings since we got started. 
because he assumes women when women are in charge of stuff the devil assumes you go either be too heavy-handed or you're going to be too passive so he tries to play you both extremes so i ask god teach me how to go straight up the middle where the devil is so when i see him i can whack him on his head and get him out of the picture so we can get people healed so we can have accurate prophecy around here so we don't have a, a spiritual free-for-all where anybody can come in, lay hands on anybody and prophesy. Ooh, that was a good meeting. You did nothing. God's people are not to be played with. You're the most precious people in the world. Do you hear me? And you're worthy of being protected. Now, I don't go for a lot of foolishness, you know. You need to learn how to discern what's God and what's not God. If it's God, we welcome. If it ain't God, it's got to sit down and go someplace else. So we just don't put up with a lot of foolishness. Amen. I see people going from meeting to meeting, never mature, never learn anything. Why? They just playing out there. Turn around to your neighbor and give them a word. You better not. <laughs> no, I'm messing with y'all. You know what I'm saying? That's some, that might be a drunk that's in God about the bed of fornication go lay hands on you. I don't think so. Now let's just stop it. Lay hands on somebody out there in the street that don't know God. These are God's people in here. They're to be protected from foolishness. I don't know how I got there. I mean, you're going to have to be more and more careful as the time grows near because you're going to have to keep yourself sanctified to the things of God. You have to keep yourself set apart and make sure your spirit is protected against anything because the devil would love to infect us with, with demonic activity, false prophecy, false words false healings false nonsense so we you you just have to understand that respect people have a high level of respect for god's people which means that even if it's my meeting i will ask if somebody needs prayer i will ask if if you want to come up and receive a word you know you just don't go tearing through everything imposing yourself on people there's a respect there for god's people so keep that in mind, okay? Just keep it in mind. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. So our major obstacle really is our old mindset. When God told Israel to enter into the promised land, he presented an obstacle. The obstacle was number one move. That's a major thing for some people. Huh? You know, pastors will have, Bishop Russell will probably verify this. You know, you'll, you'll be praying for, for, uh, uh, a building. Well, well, we, we're kind of outgrowing here and this building doesn't have anything we need. So we're praying for a building, even raise money for it. You find a building when it's time to move. What do you hear? (laughs) 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 Sheep don't want to move. Huh? I see the shepherd has to follow God. You're going to have to move them people anyway. Deacons are bleeding. They don't want to move. Elders are, don't want to move. Nobody wants to go anywhere. Everybody got a complaint 
about the new place. Well, I just got my, my, uh, my, uh, organized. I, I can make it here in 20 minutes. It's going to take me longer. Well, how far you will you go to obey God? Maybe that's the test that you're up against. But the major obstacle is us. We didn't got comfortable with less. See, God gave you less to begin with to find out your heart. He didn't tell you less was all that was coming. Huh? So somehow you'd have fixed it up in your mind to accept that less is more. So now he wants to give you the promise. He wants to give you more. Huh? See, the, the wilderness was just a passageway through to the promise. It was not the promise. Huh? People, you know, people get so crazy when you try to move them to what you have promised them. They not only want to stay where they are. That's not even good enough. They want to go back to where they came from. That's where them people are, Bishop Russell. They back in the world, brother. You're going to have to pray them saved again. Seriously. What did Israel say? It said, oh, God brought us here to die in the wilderness. And we can't go up there. Them people, they they, they big as, as giants. So they're never satisfied. So your weakness exposed will let you know your weakness cannot be listened to because it's never satisfied. So you have to reckon yourself dead to that attitude. You have to reckon yourself dead to that desire not to move and trust God for something else. You have to reckon yourself dead to those things. So, nope, they don't move me. They don't run my life. That's not God. You're going to have to help me with my attitude, whatever you got to do. But if you're going to go forward in God, it's going to take you getting through this, this obstacle, this idea, this wrong thing that's in your, that's gotten satisfied with less than what God has promised. Now, contentment and satisfaction are two different things. Contentment means you're not grumbling. You have peace. You're not striving over anything. You're not mad at anybody, not upset about anything, but you are expecting what God has told you is going to happen to happen. You're still expecting. And so you can be content. You don't have to grumble. You don't have to be upset about anything in order to move on to something better. Amen. Many times, you know, we can be promised things by God and your flesh gets so involved. You you get mad because it ain't come yet. You know, and it, God didn't promise anything to your old man. He promised that to your spirit man. See, your spirit man is content living for God every day. He's not upset about anything. And so the more you can engage your spirit man, the more God will show you the strength that you have to go forward and do what he's called you to do. But you got to acknowledge this weak thing that keeps Picking at you and pushing you and causing you to be restless and, and unsettled. So what God wants us to, to ask ourselves, are we willing to change our normal pattern of responding, of thinking, 
and of speaking, because it's all related, to allow God to convert this opportunity into an outcome of blessing and success. So obstacle equals opportunity. And if we make the change that we need to make, God will convert it into an outcome of blessing and success. Can you take your weakness out of the equation and let God show you your strength and his abilities along with your strength? So your strength comes through your spirit man. Whatever is stored up in your spirit, that is the source of your strength. God will add to it his ability. Because your strength, even in your spirit man, often is not enough to get you to enter into what God has for you. So it's like I I always say, I said, well, if you could have been blessed where you are, you'd have it already. So you're going to have to make some changes. You're going to have to make some moves. Oftentimes, the, the changes that God wants to make comes in real time. Like he'll tell you to get up and do something. And you start using the faith that you have and all of a sudden you step into a place of greater ability and that's God's strength added to yours. See, you're not going to get it just sitting there and waiting for it to come and position itself in your lap. Faith is an action. Something has to be done in your physical, natural man, in order for you to start, the first thing I, I do is I start confessing what God has promised me. Always keep his word on your lips. Always keep remind yourself. You're not reminding God of nothing. He knows what he's going to give you. He knows when you're going to get it together enough to realize it's already given to you and step out and possess it. He knows all of that. So you don't have to remind God of anything. The confession is to help you. It's to help you to stay in faith. It's to help you to to strengthen your faith. It's to help you to get enough courage to step out and make the first step. If you don't find God out there when you make the first step, just run back in your house scared, and but make up your mind you're going to make it again. <laughs> scared is not the end of the story. Amen. So you will not be defeated as long as you are anticipating working in cooperation with God to get the things that he has for you. Amen. And he has already given us everything that we're about to walk into. God has already given it to us. Amen. Already given it. So can you take your weakness out of the equation and let God show you your strength and his abilities? Many times people confess more fear than they do confidence in God. When you confess the word of God, you begin to confess what he says and only what he says. That's what's going to bring you your success. If you can keep the word out there because the word lights your way and cuts a path through the wilderness for you. It'll cut through anything that's standing in the way between you and what God has promised you. And so if you will keep that word continually in your mouth, that word will strengthen you, it will encourage you, and it will begin to move you to make the first step and and let God do the rest of it. Generally, with God, you don't have to move any further than step number one. 
And when you get through that, that's that's the open door that you need to, to have. He doesn't open them. You have to locate where the opening is and step through it. Amen. God is there all the time for us with everything that we need. It's up to us to muster up the right level of faith so that we can go through. If your faith is inadequate the first time, go back, get in your words some more and try it again. That's what I always tell people. You can't just try it one time. You have to try it again. God's been trying to lock us out of the city of Detroit ever since I got here. You understand what I'm saying? Hey, people come to the, the conference. Oh, yeah, we love your ministry. Well, tell me more about your ministry. And uh, Next thing I knew, they were telling people not to come to the meeting. And they were speaking. Now, see, that's how hateful the devil is. You understand? Well, he'll use anybody, folks. You know what I'm saying. So we're still here. But every now and then he'll make a bid for stopping us from doing what we do. And I know the prayer is is the main thing that God wants to keep going. You got me? And so as long as I tell people, I say, listen, we have a building now, but if we have to get to somebody's basement, we still going to pray. We ain't, ain't going nowhere. You understand? Well, I started out there. I didn't despise small things when I was in small things. I was just glad to be used by God. At home five years with a nervous breakdown and didn't even, was scared to drive my car and go out the house. Oh, I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. You understand me? So I'm, I'm already dead to a lot of stuff, folks. You, you can't throw nothing here that, you know what I'm saying. Come on now. Heaven is my home. I don't call, count any of this stuff dear. You know, it's just here to be used in, in all of that stuff so that we can get to where God wants us to be. So turn to Numbers chapter 13, and we'll talk some about uh, <clears throat> this situation of entering into the new thing that God has. An obstacle, we said, is the old mindset. And what God wants to know is, are you willing to adopt a new perception and convert it to a paradigm through consistent and continual use of it? Convert it to a paradigm is a whole different way of conducting business. So we're going to let the old way go and move into a new way. Amen. Through consistent and continual use of it. Now, up until this time, Israel was fed manna from heaven. They were baby servants of God, followers of Christ. I mean, followers of the Lord Jehovah. And so when when God wanted to begin to mature them, he had always promised them their own land. He promised them that no foe would be able to stand before them. He promised them every protection and every strength that they would need to go in and possess what God has for them. Every protection and every strength and every ability was promised to them. Now, the thing that about strength and ability is you won't see it, you won't feel it, you won't taste of it until it's time to use it. Because you ain't going to play God. He knows how people are. We want him to show us everything before we, and then we still won't get up and do anything. 
So there are laws that govern how God deals with us. Number one is the law of faith. You must have faith in operation. If he shows you everything, it's not faith. Amen. You got to take him at his word. If his word is good enough to save you, it's good enough to heal you. It's good enough to run your life every day. It's good enough to get you through every obstacle. And so God expects us to take him at his word and, and move before we see things and we don't have to see anything before we move. Blessed is he who has believed and not seen. Amen. That's a higher blessing. You can be blessed by seeing stuff, but you're more blessed if you believe before you see it. And if you do that, God will certainly let you see it. So Numbers 13 and verse 1, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send you men that they may search out Canaan, the land of Canaan, which I give unto them. Of every tribe of their father shall you send a man, everyone a ruler among them. So God seeks out people of strength. He's not going to send weak people for leadership. These people three years old in God and their apostle this and overseer that and prophet this and underseer that. Come on, y'all can't oversee your laundry to get out the house with clean clothes now you might have a prophecy that says that gift is in you and you're called to it but that thing's got to be developed huh worst thing in the world you can have apostles who are afraid of warfare and whine all the time and beg all the time can i put that in there i don't care huh Always got to have more money for this and more money for them personally. You understand what I'm saying? Don't never have enough. Always begging the sheep for stuff. Get enough courage to go out there and beat the devil up and take your own stuff. That's what your sheep doing. We all got to fight the same devil. How come we got to fight and bring it to you and you don't have to fight nothing? with your comfy cushy all the time so god said to get strong people out of the tribes get the strongest one they got when god's ready to do a new thing he begins to pull the strong out of the tribe. I'm going to say it again. When God's ready to do a new thing, he will pull the strong out of the tribe for leadership. He needs leaders. He needs people who won't turn back in the day of trouble. He needs people who won't compromise with the enemy when they get in there and see the enemy seems to be overtaking them they don't compromise and try to barter with the enemy he needs people going to do what he tells them to do and stand there and make the rest of it fall in place the bible says says tells us to stand and see the salvation of the lord all we got to do is show up Show up in faith, show up with your word on you, show up with the good. You really don't have to do a whole lot of nothing. 
I, you know, I, Pastor Shirley and I used to talk about some of these little dynamic, dynamic phenomena sometimes. And she would say, I told so-and-so something. They were begging me to let them do something, you know, uh, and, and it's kind of like the devil knows his place. If you stand in the authority God has given you over your own life, I'm not talking about over anybody else, but in your own situation, over your own life, it's amazing. Sometimes parents can get a kid healed just because they refuse to let the devil have them. You just take your stand and you will see the salvation of the Lord. Amen. And so God is telling them, he said, bring the strongest ones out of these tribes that you got. Don't send me no weaklings. Don't send me no fearful nobody. Don't put nobody in charge of my life that's whining and begging and complaining. Because I'm not following them. You go to your death following scared people. Huh? You got to push them up and they push you up and push them out. Come on now. Listen, I just rather wait until the real thing shows up than to mess around with people who are scared of everything. So he said, a ruler out of every tribe of Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran, all those who were heads of the children of Israel. And these are the names. So he lists one man from every tribe. Verse 16, these are the names of the men which Moses sent to spy out the land, and Moses called Joshua, who was also the son of Nun. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said this to them. Now, God tells them to go and spy out the land that I have given them. You ever get a prophecy from God and it tells you all the things you can do and all the wonderful things that he's going to do for you and all the great things he's going to do? He never tells you to find print. Because that ain't your business. I said it ain't your business. The fine print is his. What is the fine print? The trouble. He said, I took care of that. He said, I told you already, no foe is going to be able to stand before you all the days of your life. What else you need to know? No evil will befall you. All you got to do is stay in, in my will, obey me, do what I tell you to do, and no harm will ever come to you. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. I just need somebody to believe me and act. And act like it. Amen. Praise God. Oh, I believe God. He going to do this and we'll get up and. What we got now. Praise God. All right. Now, Satan, I break your power over this microphone. This belongs to God. In Jesus name, we thank you for it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. See, if you never get up and act like it, that's not faith. You ain't fooling God with your little faith confession. Now, you might make the saints think you all huff and puff and blow your house down type person. But we ain't fooling God. He's looking for faith, and he knows when he finds it, too. We can't fool him. So he sends these guys out. And Moses said this to them. Spy out the land of Canaan. Get you up. 
southward and go up to the mountain, see the land. What it is, well, there are they be strong or weak, few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it's good or bad. Now, God never told him to do any of that. Am I right or am I right? What did God say? Send them, verse 2, send them that they may search out the land which I give to the children of Israel of every tribe. He told Abraham and everybody after that that the land was flowing with milk and honey. It was a good land. It was a prosperous land. You won't have to irrigate it like you did Egypt. Egypt was full of sand. This place is going to have stuff growing before you even get there. All you got to do is go in and reap. Just like the end time harvest of souls. All we got to do is put in the sickle and reap. Because God is going to cause people to be ready to be converted before you even meet them. You understand what I'm saying? And so God wants to make our work easy, but he's got to have people who believe them or believe him. So Moses gives them what? The fine print. If you're going to send people somewhere in faith, you do not give them the fine print. Huh? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to pray for you and and God's going to heal you, but the devil's going to try to do it. Were you working for two people now? You're working for God? Tell them what God's going to do. You know, we, we steal more things from people trying to be wise. See, God can give you a gift and an ability to help people. But your, your weakness in your flesh, man, will take it right back trying to show them your wisdom. See, your experience may be telling you that, but does God really say that? He ain't telling nobody the devil going to steal nothing. He tells me I have authority over all the works of the devil. We have stolen more healing from people. Now listen, if devil going to steal it, they'll find that out soon enough. And if they stay with God, he'll tell them what to do in that event. Huh? But some healings you get so solid, you don't even think about the devil trying to steal anything from you. Huh? I've been healed from some things. Every now and then I'll wonder. You, you understand what I'm saying? But it's not like I'm anticipating the devil to try. i got to really fight it out now because he's going to try and come and steal. This is so precious. He just wants it back. God takes care of the fine print. He's got an answer for that. That fine print really belongs to him. That's his job. It's his job to rebuke the enemy for your sake. It's your job to stand and declare what God has done for you. Deuteronomy 11.25 says, No foe will be able to stand before you or against you all the days of your life. God will make the fear and the dread of you come upon them. So the fear of you and the dread of you will come upon every enemy that tries to stand against you. That's usually what the problem is. 
You know, many times we think, well, what did I say to offend that person? I didn't say anything wrong. Are you kidding me? You better read your Bible. Do you know who you are? The fear of you and the dread of you will come on everybody that's weak. Let me put it to you that way. Weak people are always scared of strong people. Huh? You dare show, show your strength in God and you'll have all kind of people running away from you. Which is good. You don't want to keep company with weakness. God does it sometime to protect you whether you know it or not. And you trying to take it all personal and everything. So no foe shall be able to stand again. The fear of you, God will make them fear you and dread you. In other words, don't let them come in my presence. Huh? We have people send people to our meetings and they say, well, so-and-so told me to come over here to your meeting because y'all know what y'all doing over here. And they never come. They never show up. See, a lot of times your reputation in God will precede you and people will know you by reputation. They sit there and appreciate what you do or not. They don't want to receive it from them, but if they know somebody who got a devil or hard down sick or on their last leg, they send them right over to the watchman. You understand? I'm not saying that to brag, but I'm saying that, and they will be sick themselves and go to a doctor instead of coming. You understand what I'm saying? God will cause people to have that reverence for his power. It's really, it's a, it's a reverence for the power of the anointing of God. People don't know what to do with it. They can't control it. They can't manipulate it and they can't handle it. So they just leave you alone, which is good. Exodus 33, 2, God said, I will drive out all the enemies that are in the land that I give you. So there's enemies on everything that God gives us. There's people who are losing property, losing money, losing possessions every day. Those possessions are laid up for the body of Christ. The people of God are the heirs of everything. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for us. But we've got to take it by faith. Amen. And you don't feel good when people lose their stuff, but if they don't, they don't have a God to help them hold on to it, they're going to lose it anyway. Everything's recycled. Amen. So. You know, God's words are good when you hear them, but when you have to step out and see that happen for you, it's a totally different story. The other thing, too, is that when God does open doors for you or He, your faith gets to the point where you know it's time to move on something, there are always adversaries at every door of opportunity. Paul said, a great and effectual door of opportunity has opened up to us, but there are many adversaries at the door. With Paul, it was the Pharisees or the Sadducees or the Romans or somebody else or somebody was uh, in witchcraft messing with other gods. It was always many adversaries against him. But the door of opportunity to preach the gospel to people was there as well. So you have to learn how to make the adversaries be the fine print that God takes care of. Paul got so scared he didn't want to go in a city. And God told him, he said, don't be afraid. He said, I got a lot of people here. That was news to Paul. He thought he knew everything. huh? When God said, I got much people in the city, Paul was shocked. 
And he was even more shocked when he stepped out there and found there was help for him. And it wasn't his day to get crucified. Amen. And so God will use us and help us. But know that you are not at risk. Your possessions, your life, your health, your sanity, nothing is at risk when you obey God because he takes care of that. And the devil will threaten you. He'll tell you, oh, you can't do that. You're going to get this, that, and the other. No, 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 no. You know, I started giving away uh, flu shots when years ago people were complaining. These flu shots make us sick and they make us take them at work. And I said, well, God's got his own flu shot for you. So we would start with the healing school. We get prayer cloths and cut them up afterwards. I say, here's your flu shot. You got it? Just wear it all the time. We've been doing that, what, over 20 years now. Nobody ever gets the flu. Amen. Except people that want it. You know, you always got some hangers on there. They just refuse. Huh? This is too much. But, but you know what I'm saying. You put your faith in that. The anointing's on that. And, and so you just trust God with your health. You know, it's one less thing you have to be concerned about in your life. You can go on and serve God and not be afraid to get around people. You know, you see somebody cough and people run 10 feet away from them. Offend people, embarrass them and all. It's bad enough. They feel bad enough. They sit and got a cough in public and then you... Now they got you sneezing in your sleeve. What good is that? Get a handkerchief. Some, buy some Kleenex. Go home and all that snot on them clothes you've been wearing all day. And you get up and hug people. And I, I make it real graphic for you, don't I? Just, all right. What's some nonsense? Yeah, the world is crazy. It's full of crazy people. So anyway. They're Israel. They got the strongest men now. God is exposing their strength. Amen. And dealing with the weakness. So here they are. They all get out and Moses tells them to do this. Go spy out the land of Canaan. Go up this way and go up the mountain. See the land, what it is. The people, whether they're strong or weak, few or many. Now, did God tell them to take an inventory of the strength and weakness of the enemy? And what the land is, they do whether it's good or bad. Now, God's already told you he'll give you nothing bad. He said, what more do you want from God? He said, I give you a land flowing with milk and honey. But yet, you ever notice when you get ready to do something that's different in God, your, all your thoughts go to, well, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? Huh? You know, you've been praying for a husband for 40 years. <laughs> Drop the mic to have whatever they do. I don't know. But, and, and then, you know, some nice prophet comes, you know, the Lord's gonna do this for you soon. <gasps> what if? What if? What if? Hey, you, you mean to tell me you've been praying all these years and you got the what ifs taken care of yet? Well, he, he might be an abuser. 
Huh? Would God bring you somebody? In fact, God's scared of you abusing him is, is why it's taking so long. The truth was told. Yeah, some of y'all sisters, you go through his pockets first date and you can get enough out of that. Just turn him upside down by the ankles and shake him real good. See what else he got. I'm confessing my own sins as well. <laughs> huh? Take him to the jewelry store first date. Well, why don't we just meet at the mall? Huh? That's where the serial murderers meet, Mr. Gary's at Walmart. Huh? Now watch ID Network. You ever notice on the one where they do, they solve the crime by the surveillance camera? You always see the, the murder they can always identify on Walmart's video, buying the rope and the duct tape, the shovel, all the stuff they gonna need for the crime. Walmart is where the serial killers hang out at. The jewelry store is where the godly men are. And they ain't scared to go in there with you. Huh? I don't know where you get such a person from, but we believe in God. <laughs> My husband would break out in a sweat in the jewelry store. I said, look at him over there. And I loved it. Praise the Lord. <laughs> that was my weak side talking. Anyhow. But we need to know God is eager to give us everything. But we must possess it by the law of faith. Faith is one of the oldest covenant laws we have with God. Because in God, faith is equated with righteousness. See, you can't get holy first and then get faith. You try it. You wind up under the law every single time. That's how people don't get saved by faith because they're trying to work their way into some goodness acceptance of God. Amen. So you cannot present God with any kind of holiness before you use your faith. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as what? Holiness or righteousness. Amen. You believe first. You don't bring nothing holy to the table when you're dealing with the real, true, and living God. Amen? That's what differentiates us from the Muslim, from the Buddhist, from everybody else. They are trying to bring something to their God to be acceptable so they can be holy. No, we believe him and he supplies the holiness to us through our faith in him. So don't keep looking for what you didn't do yet that you need to do so God can bless you. Just believe you're blessed and ask God to lead you to your stuff today, please. God, I didn't goofed around long enough. I need my stuff today. Huh? So we are to have faith in God, have the God kind of faith. And it's, it's accounted to us as righteousness. There is no holiness without faith in God. So God's instructions to Israel, he just told them, to go and he told Moses who to pick to go and spy out the land first now why did he do that 
why do you why do you why do you go? Well, the Bible says every place that the soles of your feet tread, you possess that land. These people possessed it already and then came back and said they couldn't do it. Just by going up there. See, they were going up under God's law of possession. They weren't going up. And see, Moses added, this is the add to, this fine print that Moses threw in there, in their ears to take their faith down to no wonder they didn't want to go in. No wonder they came back with an evil report. Moses pumped them up with it before they even left. When Israel would, would, would harvest their crops, they were forbidden to harvest it, leaving something for the poor. You don't work, you don't eat. So they didn't pluck it up and give it to them like we do. You know, we, we give away bread, you know, that's donated from a bakery. We re, we pay for bags to rebag it and make it look nice so the people will want to take it. And we do it as, as a grace to them so that they won't feel like beggars. Well, God's law says in order to make them not feel like beggars, make them work for it. So they would have, that's how Ruth got fed every day. She went out and she gleaned and she pulled the wheat herself with her own hands. She wasn't afraid to work. And Boaz put her to the test. He said, I'm going to see if she's really going to obey the law of God and work for what she gets or is she going to hang around here and try to hustle. That's why he told her, don't hang out with them other women or you come over here. The hoes over there, in other words. Don't go over there. You ain't no hoe no more, you. know why y'all don't read your bible that's what mine says and she was a moabitess they was known for that kind of, that kind of life you understand what i'm saying and then boaz told no that ain't you no more i'm gonna tell you how to conduct yourself up here huh Russell, help me out, Bishop. But anyway, but they were told to leave the corners. Why the corners? Why couldn't they have left something in the middle of their plot of land so they could come in and get? Well, treading is possession. So somebody could take your property just by walking it off and pulling your crop. So they left the corners. So you didn't go on the whole of their property to possess it. That's how serious God is about possessing and treading. Henry uh, Groover walked all the places that he possessed on that principle. It's still a principle of God. Every place the soles of your feet tread, you possess. So when he sent the spies up, he didn't tell them what Moses told them. See, Moses is working from weakness. Just like all human beings work from weakness. If I was going, Moses, if I was going, I want to know what this and this. 
with his little nosy self. No, all you got to know is God gave it to you. And it's everything that you need and more. You got me? Because of who gave it to you. So he tells them, whether it's good or bad, what cities they are, whether tents are in strongholds, what the land is, whether it's fat or lean, whether there be wood in it or not. If he, if he, and be of good courage. Now that I've sapped all the air out of your, your courage badge, but be of good courage now, now that I've messed your head up. So they went up, verse 21, searched out the land, and they ascended by the south and came to Hebron, where you know they took that city after a while. And they, could, they didn't take it then, though. And they came to the brook Eshkol and cut down from there a branch, one cluster of grapes. It was so big, they had to put it on a pole, just like they carried the Ark of the Covenant. They had to carry it on a pole between their shoulders. That's how big the cluster of grapes was. Moses said, check the land, see if it's good or bad. Are you kidding me, Moses? Would God give you anything that's bad? See, that's to cure your what ifs. See, this is the what if mentality. God doesn't send you up into battle with what if in your mind. Moses never should have blabbed out that stuff to them. Because what he did was he took away their faith and replaced it with doubt right in that conversation. Moses' instructions vary from those of God. They include provision for finding weakness. God never includes weakness. He reveals it and remedies it. The word of remedy has already been spoken. No foe will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. I've given you a land that flows with milk and honey. And all of the details that he gave them about that land for years prior to them going up. They lived in a hostile land for 40 days without being killed. So they go up there in this country and they roam around there and they pick grapes and take them and all, and nobody messed with them. So they have verification there that no foe is able to stand before. They know nothing's going to happen to them. But yet they come back and what happens? Or what we commonly refer to as the old evil report. Huh? Verse 25, they returned from searching out the land after 40 days of no foe being able to stand before them. If 40 days doesn't prove it to you, ain't nobody coming after 40 days. That search was under God's protection from beginning to end because they obeyed him with their feet, but not with their heads and with their hearts. All they were required to do was to believe and obey God and let him do the rest. Verse 27, what do we have here? It says, they went and came to Moses and Aaron, all the congregation. They got this big crowd and brought back word to them and all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. How people see a cluster of grapes as tall as a man is. 
And they told him and said, we came to the land where, where you sent us. And surely, just like God said, is a good land. It flows with milk and honey. There's a lot of stuff on there. And this is a fruit of it. Hmm. You know what? Nevertheless, the people are strong that dwell in the land. The cities are walled and very great. And moreover, on top of that, you ever see anybody get real excited about their evil report? Ooh, girl, let me tell you. I mean, we went up there. Now, yeah, that stuff is good and all that, but let me tell you what really is going on there. The Amalekites, Anak, children of Anak are there. And then the Hittites, e- all these are evil people. Canaanites by the sea and the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stealed the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Here's somebody who speaks the word of the Lord. But the men that went up with him said, we are not able to go up against these people, for they are stronger than we are. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land, though we have gone to search it, is a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people we saw in are men of great stature. They get bigger and bigger every time they tell the story, right? And we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come. Well, you had to fight. You ever notice that the 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 things that they're afraid of keep coming back as an obstacle to them. Now, where do we see this giant come back again? Is that when all the way down to the time of Saul, when David has to kill Goliath? So they could have killed that giant way back in the wilderness, gone in, had everything, but no, they got to wait all these generations for David to get born. And not know no better and say, God, help me with the lion and help me with the bear. And this giant's going to be just like the rest of them. And you see what happened to David. For his strength and his ability, he got chased for almost 20 years by Saul, who was jealous of him. So it's obstacle after obstacle after obstacle for the strong. I'm telling you, them giants you don't want to <laughs> confront now are going to be there the next time you get ready to step out and do something for God or receive something from God. Sometimes your your obstacle can be your own mindset, always thinking the worst and, and not knowing how to put your head in check and go get in your word and fill it up with the word. Because that's all Joshua did. He inserted the word of God into this conversation. He said, wait a minute, we're well able to take these this thing. But he was outnumbered. Amen. So many times the things that we're capable of doing and God has told you you're going to do. I know many of you have been believing God for a long time. Sometimes they're delayed because what else God wants to do in the picture is retarded. You got me? Don't want to go forward. Don't want to do this. Scared of everything. Can't do this. Can't do that. They don't like me. They talking about me. Caleb in verse 30. Where is my, my man Caleb? 
he says here, sorry about that, I think I skipped over him. Yeah, Caleb in verse 30, still the people before Moses. Told him, shut up. He said, can we go now? See, when people are have faith, faith is a now commodity. And Joshua and Caleb knew that if they were going to do anything, now was the time. Faith people always believe the time is now. Even if they step out there and nothing's there, they still believe it's now. If it ain't now today, it's going to be now another day. You understand what I'm saying? But it will be now at some point. So I'm going to continue to believe in my now. So there it says weakness will talk anyway. Weakness will try to have a voice in your victory. Caleb is a man of strength. They're all supposed to be leaders, but you find the strong ones are very few in number. You'll find 20% is about all there is in, in strength in any endeavor. That's why that's where your leadership will come from. Just 20% of people and real strong ones are very, very rare. People don't care what comes against them, don't care what you say, don't, they're on a mission, they know what they're called to do, and they just step out and do it. Anybody standing their way get mowed over. I don't care if you whine, cry, whatever. Lie on me. I don't care what you do. But we going forward. You got me? While We going to strike while the faith is there to strike with. So then they 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 bring up this evil report. Man. Every, you know, it's like how many times is God going to offer us to use our faith and we refuse? Amen. With Israel... Let me see where verse 22. Oh, we're in chapter 14. I'm sorry. Let me, let me go over there. So in chapter 14, verse one, you see the fruit of the evil report. All the congregation lifted up their voice. Here we go again, the pity party and cried. Now God's given them everything. They already went in, possessed part of it that by the law of, 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 you know, the, the foot in the sandal, you know, remember when they have a covenant, they gave their shoe. In exchange for land, that was always a sign. Possession was your feet. Possession was what you had on your foot. That's what when Ruth was and, and Naomi were receiving the land that, that belonged to their family. This was not Boaz's property, folks. I'm not even going to go there with the Boaz thing. But let me just say this about that. All these women who are waiting on their Boaz. They're looking for somebody who's going to give them everything. Boaz only signed papers for Ruth to get what was rightfully hers. He had the power to release Ruth's dead husband's inheritance to her. Boaz ain't gave her nothing. So in other words... If you want a good godly man, you got to bring something to the table, baby. Well, we might as well kill that devil right now. I mean, now I want a brother with something, but I got stuff. What I chop liver? You understand what I'm saying? 
but you can't be sidling up there and hiding your stuff somewhere and hanging, showing this. He gonna want this. No, no. Anyway, let me go someplace else. Okay, in chapter 14, congregation lifted up their voice and cried. Well, we done told everybody. We spread the evil report out on everybody now. And all the children of Israel murmured again. Here we go. Dogging the preacher out. He gonna get us in some daddy. Here we go moving again. I know it ain't gonna be right. They ain't gonna let me have what I want. The whole congregation said to them, would God that we had died in Egypt or died in this wilderness. In other words, I'd rather be dead than to have to believe God for something better. Now don't act like you ain't experienced that before. You try to tell people and things to keep them in faith and they bite your head. Well, God didn't say that to me. Well, that ain't what he, that ain't the way he told me. I see the way he does with me is this is how he work with me. See, that devil wants to keep you in poverty and sickness and everything. And he will put up a strong fight through your words. To keep you out of what God has for you. They so pitiful. They want to go. They want to. They rather backslide than use their faith. Huh? Now, come on now. Don't act like you don't know people like this. Look at the empty chairs where people worship God and have a good time with you and chit you and chat you and pray with you and all this kind of stuff and where are they at gone and they ain't in nobody else's church either most of them but they rather go back to Egypt than to use their faith see what let me tell you what they do they watch everybody else that prays and what they get instead of doing it themselves you pray a prayer of agreement with them they ain't no more agreeing with you than that light bulb is huh and see, then exposure time comes. Everybody start getting their harvest in. So-and-so just got a new car. So-and-so got it. Well, you know, they believe in God for a long time, and that God finally came through for them. They just watching all the time. Huh? Watching the things of God from, from a window brings a curse on you. Remember Michael, David's wife? David was down there in the spirit dancing for the Lord with all, and she looked at him, this, you have a vile man to do that. He said, I wasn't dancing for you, I was dancing for God. And what did it say? It said, Michael was barren from that day. In other words, you don't get nothing. Might as well be under the curse, you're not walking in the blessing. All these people watching everything. Go watch my life and see if God is real. And you got the opportunity to try him for yourself and won't do it. So you rather go back into the world and admit you're wrong and start using your faith. Joshua, the son of Nun, verse 6, and Caleb, Jephunneh, which were of them that searched out the land, tore their clothes. 
In fact, they went before the Lord in repentance and spoke to all the company of the children of Israel, saying, the land which we pass through to search it, it's exceeding good. They're trying to plead with these people to believe God. If the Lord delights in us, in other words, if you shut your mouth and quit speaking evil against this and give us the land which flows with milk and honey, he will bring us into this land. But only don't rebel against the Lord. Or fear the people of the land because they're bread for us. We go eat them. We will eat them people up because God says so. But all the congregation wanted to stone them with stones. Hmm? You ever have people roll their eyes at you because you gave them the word? Huh? And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation. So God showed up. Huh? They were so out of control. So then God threatens to kill everybody and Moses tells him don't do it. Huh? Verse 18, the Lord is long suffering of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression by no means acquitting the guilty, but visiting the iniquity. So he'll put off killing these people. He'll let them die a natural death. And Moses begs the Lord pardon their iniquity in verse 19. And send your mercy. Verse 20. And the Lord said. I pardon according to your words Moses. But as truly as I live. All the earth will be filled. With the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. As the waters cover the seas. That's all God's ever wanted. Was a people. That he can put his power on. A people that he can demonstrate. Who he is to the rest of the world. God said all I want. Out of this deal Moses. Is people who will believe me. So when you are trying to sweat about whether you're going to be believed God to pay a bill or something or get you a better job, understand this. God is after something else. He tells you up front, I, I got this. I take care of you, whatever you need. I got it. You just got to stay in faith until I can get it to you. But I need somebody down there who's going to believe me and stand different than the rest of the heathen that are out here in the world. I got to have some people who are going to walk right, talk right, act right, represent, and lay their hands on the sick, confess me before me and give their testimony. I need somebody like that. I don't care about this little stuff you worried about. Verse 22, because all those men which has seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and the wilderness, have tested me now these ten times and have not hearkened to my voice, surely they won't see the land. So how many times can you refuse and get scared and don't let God show you about ten after they didn't quit messing with you? Everybody's been believing God for something forever and ain't come through yet. Keep believing. Don't ever turn evil and say God's not going to do it. Well, you have people, I've had people in this ministry. After a while, they start talking like, well, I don't know what God is going to do this for. How come this happened? How come that? I said, "Mm, okay. See, they never believed from jump. Huh? They would never believe in nothing. Just sitting up here being religious. And now that's been exposed. When God is in the midst of people, now if this was a play church, that would be something different. You could stay here until the cows come home playing. But this ain't no play church. 
God didn't didn't pull me out of depression and suicide to give me a play church. You understand what I'm saying? I told God, I said, if I'm going to serve you, I'm going to serve you straight up 100%. No turning back. I don't have time to play. Didn't have time to play believing for my husband's salvation. You understand what I'm saying? You got just enough time to do what's on God's plate and show him, let him get some glory out of your life. You don't have time to play with things. So what do you get out of this? If this is an opportunity for you, you're risking all this, you're doing all this dangerous stuff, going in and possessing nice things. (laughs) Real dangerous work, right? What the devil doesn't want you to get, and that's who's fighting you, not to obey God. He doesn't want you to have experience with God and success at the same time. Because once those two come together the way God wants them to, the devil's a dead man. He might as well quit messing with you. He doesn't want you to ever experience accomplishment in God. He doesn't want you to have the spoils of war, your property, your inheritance. He wants to keep you broke and always begging for something and wishing you had it. He doesn't want you to get your inheritance rights and see that God did give that to you. And all you had to do was go in and possess it. He doesn't want you to have confidence in God and strength for war and hope for more in the future. See, victory and winning is addictive. You never get tired of it. That's all you know is conquering, overcoming, and more. And the devil knows that. And that's why he fights you so hard with evil report, negative speaking, fear in your head, other people that will tell you it's not worth it. Huh? You ever notice when you're in one of them moods, your mind will automatically bring you to remembrance of somebody who's in the dumps too? See, when you're in the dumps, you need to call that person that you really don't want to hear what they're going to say to you. Huh? Because they're going to jerk you out of stupid and put you right back into faith and glory. Amen? And you know that's coming. Huh? People who drop out of serving God stay around with the stupid people too long. The backsliders. The ones who uh, go to church and don't ever change. Huh? And I'm talking about leaders. Whatever. I don't care. Well, praise God. Are we done? Praise the Lord. We done with Swana? Yay. All right. Well, Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for blessing us, helping us, showing us your way. Your way is always prosperous. Your way is always successful. We should never fear obeying you. And Lord, let people know that if they, in obedience to you, if they make mistakes, you forgive and you put them right back on the right path again. There's no penalty here, Father. So we thank you. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up. I'll pray for you.